sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. Oh, yeah. It's that time. Welcome in. Cover it with Teddy Covers here on SiriusXM Channel 159, the Sports Grid Radio Network. Over the course of the next hour, we're going to get to hang out with Ralph Michaels at CalSportsLV on Twitter. Ralph and I are going to break down ball betting action in college football. we got a whole bunch of them to go through for this coming week. And, of course, we're going to talk about some of the coaching changes, some of the coordinator changes, uh, some of the trends and angles. You know, Ralph is a pretty big TNA guy. No, get your minds out of the gutter. Trends and angles guy. He's going to talk about what works long-term during bowl season. Talk about positive expectation wagers and negative expectation wagers. So I'm really looking forward to picking his brain and seeing if we can get you guys on the right side of some of these bowl games. But before we get into that, we got to talk about something that happened this past week in college basketball. I know it's college football time. <laughs> it's the heart of bowl season right here. But we got to talk about something that happened in college hoops this past week because it hasn't happened in the last 30 years. And I think it gives us a good illustrative lesson about some of the funny things that can happen during holiday season. If you missed it, on Wednesday, Iowa was a 31.5-point favorite at home against Eastern Illinois. The Panthers not known for going on the road and beating up Big Ten teams or any Power Five conference teams. In fact, I think they had that their first win against the Power Five, well, one of the few wins they've had against Power Five schools in their history. So Iowa's minus 31 and a half. Over the last 30 seasons, underdogs of 30 points or more were 0 and 558. Straight up. And frankly, there wasn't a single book that I know of that offered a money line on the game. There's no chance the Panthers win that game. You don't see money lines on 30-point college basketball underdogs. But what happened? Well, first, the game got pushed forward. Four and a half hours due to a blizzard on the way. And remember, this time of year during the holidays, real quiet in a lot of these home arenas. You know, the fans have things to do. The students have gone home or they're in exams. So the game was pushed forward four and a half hours that had been played at night. It was played in the afternoon. And the Hawkeyes took a big lead out of the gate. They were up 18 to four. And they still led by eight at halftime. And what happened? They kind of fell asleep. The Panthers, after halftime, 21 of 29 shooting 72%. While Iowa, 11 of 36 overall, just two of 17 from three-point range in the second half. 31% shooting versus 72% shooting. And that's how you can see an upset of this magnitude. Shocking. Absolutely shocking. But it's definitely worth noting. This is the season for shockers. You'll see a bunch of them over the holidays. Focus, absolutely an issue at this time of the year. For teams, for players, and for betters too. We'll talk about that in a minute. Be aware. And it wasn't just, let's say, uh, college hoops. I mean, look, in bowl action, was it the New Orleans Bowl on Wednesday night? South Alabama went off to a three-and-a-half-point favorite. They were never in the game. I mean, they were down 31-3 to at halftime. And literally, I mean, the, the game was over five minutes in. If you're watching, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Underdogs, some of them, not all of them, but underdogs can have some bite 
at this time of year. Some real bite. There's issues with focus. There's issues with in college basketball teams looking forward to conference play. Oh, who's this know-nothing team I don't know anything about? We're not going to worry about them. We're 31.5-point favorites. We can beat these guys. (laughs) Anybody can beat anybody when it comes down to a team with a lack of focus. And certainly when it comes to bowl betting. We talk about it a lot. Yeah, yeah, you can break down the stats 500 different ways. Your best scenarios are when one team's interested and one team not so much. And it's not always easy to figure that out before kickoff. you got to do your work. you got to find the quotes. you got to see what the team leaders are saying with the bowl bids. You have to examine the, you know, and we'll talk about, again, a lot of this with Ralph Michaels when it comes to the coordinator changes. The markets focus a lot on the head coaches. But when you've got a defensive coordinator who's been calling a great game plan, designing great game plans all year, and, oh, by the way, he just left for the Power 5 school, <laughs> and now it's some other guy calling plays on the defense side of the football this week and getting guys ready, you know, you'll see significant variance. And maybe that's the key point to this stretch over the holidays, pre-Christmas, through Christmas, really through New Year's, all right? There are going to be distractions, and there are going to be upsets, and you're going to see teams that you thought were good come out and play flat games, like Iowa did. It happens, all right? Kids are human. (laughs) Adults are human. We all have those moments where, oh, you know, (laughs) distraction here, distraction there. You don't necessarily put your best performance together, and that's happened. That happens to all of us, and it's going to happen on the field. There will be upsets this week. And next week, in college basketball, in college football, in the NFL, in the NBA. So what's the other thing that we want to take away from here? When we're backing underdogs, we're always going to take at least a taste of the money line. I don't care how big the dog is. In bowl season, you're playing dogs, you're making sure that when that dog wins, you're getting the bonus for that. And again, and this time of the season... Underdogs win close to 40% of these bowl games, 37% of the time. The underdog wins in straight-up fashion. So make sure you're taking advantage of those money line wagers, even with your bigger dogs come bowl season. Holiday wishes, holiday greetings, holiday everything. You know the drill. When we come back, forget the holidays. It's all bowl talk. Ralph Michaels coming up when coverage continues after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You guys ready for a little TNA? Get your minds out of the gutter. I'm talking trends and angles. That's the TNA we're going to talk about here on Cover It with Teddy Covers. I've got Ralph Michaels joining me here at Cal Sports LV on Twitter. And Ralph, you're a favorite on the show, man. When I, whenever I have you on, people say, have Ralph on more. And I know you're a guy who's had a phenomenal track record during bowl season. You're a guy whose opinions I want in my year at this time of the year. Welcome to the program, my friend. How are you on this Christmas weekend? Teddy, thank you for having me on. It's been a good start to the bowl season. Uh, five straight winning bowl seasons for me being at Wager Talk. And uh, really, I'll go back to my North Coast days in the Power Sweep newsletter. Uh, bowls are different situations. You have to handicap them differently. 
You have to throw a lot of things out that happened during the regular season. And I think some of these trends and angles and situations will help people realize or perhaps change their thoughts that they had when they're handicapping some bowl games. Well, let's start with the most basic concept of all. All right. We got bowl favorites. Since 2019, all bowl favorites, 60 and 46. So 56 and a half percent. They've been good overall. But when you break it down, the shortest bowl favorites, three points or less, 17 and 8 against the spread, 68%. The mid range bowl favorites, minus 3.5 to minus 9.5. They're 37 and 25, so close to 60% ATS. But the double digit bowl favorites, they fail and fail and fail again. They've been failing again already this year. 6 and 13 against the spread, 31% for the double digit bowl chalks. But the one thing the double digit favorites do, they cover overs. The overs fly over 76% of the time. Ralph, did I do a decent job of breaking down some of the some of the hard data for the bowl favorites in recent years? It is. And just to simplify what you said there, Teddy, if you take single-digit bowl favorites the last three years, they have covered 64.3% of the time. And if you take double-digit favorites, 31.6% of the time. So there is a clear line at that two-score, 10-point range. Why? As you said, the over-unders have gone over in double-digit favorites almost 77% of the time. You don't have that same intensity from defenses that are good when they're laying that price in a bowl situation when they practiced uh, and they did some partying with these teams. You often have co-mingled events, so that defense never has that same intensity when you have a large favorite relative to the other. And we just saw that uh, with uh, Boise State uh, this past week against North Texas, where Boise moved the ball up and down the field. But so did the Mean Green. Uh, Double-digit dog covers, game goes over the total. Not unusual. Now, you've got a whole bunch of other trends and angles worth talking about. Besides the concept, single-digit favorites good, double-digit favorites bad, double-digit favorites over. Let's start with the concept of a team that lost their last two games heading into bowl season. Those teams haven't been good, and they haven't been going over the total either. No, they haven't. You know, there are, when I look at teams that lost each of their last two games as an underdog to get into the bowl season, those teams that had the negative momentum have only covered 40.5%, and they've gone under the total almost 62%. I'll quickly throw out the fade teams in that situation – Coastal Carolina, Kansas, and Wyoming. And I do want to preface, in these situations, any system or angle is not going to put me on a team or off a team. It's just going to make a play stronger or weaker for me. Sure, and that makes a ton of sense. It's not the trend itself, but when you're making a case, the more of these you have in your favor, the more you like it. And that's Coastal Carolina as a fade against East Carolina. That is on Tuesday, December 27th in the Birmingham Bowl. The Kansas-Arkansas game, that's the Liberty Bowl on Wednesday, where Arkansas is the favorite against Kansas. We're supposed to be betting against Coastal, betting against Kansas. And, of course, Wyoming, who wasn't all that good this year. Somehow, they made it to a bowl game. Uh, the Cowboys at 7-5 and five, uh, are short underdogs. You can pick them in a lot of places against the Ohio Bobcats. 
the system says take the Bobcats and bet against Wyoming. What about teams that have won their last two games and they covered the last one? What do we do with teams like that, Ralph? Well, if you won and covered each of your last two games going in, so you have positive momentum, you would think since you had negative momentum, it's a negative. But teams that actually have been hot or at least gone 2-0 and straight up at ATS going into the bowl have only covered 44%. Not a wow number. Uh, but, again, those teams in that situation, New Mexico State, Texas Tech, South Carolina, Kansas State, Mississippi State, Tulane, and Utah. And one more thing I do want to mention, Teddy, is we have to remember that so much changed this year with all the opt-outs and the transfer portals. These numbers were historically with teams that played most of their players. The last few years, we've had a few opt-outs of NFL players, but we've seen that expand tenfold. So, again, that's another asterisk to these numbers as we're analyzing what happens this season with the new dynamics. What do we do with teams with the points per game in that 35 range? I'm seeing some ugly point spread numbers from those teams, but some uh, pretty strong trend to the over. What do we do with that, Ralph? It is. When I looked at teams that scored 35 points or more in each of their last two games, and now they're a dog. So that's the situation that's a little different. So you either played weak teams, you had a weak schedule. Those teams have gone 9-24 and 24 ATS, only 27.3%, but almost the exact opposite over-under. There's been 23 overs, 9 unders, and a push, 72% to the over. So teams, again, back-to-back games with 35 or more points, it doesn't matter if they won or lost, and now they're a dog. That applies to fading Washington, fading Tennessee, and fading Penn State and looking at the over in all three of those matchups. And there's a couple more trends still. I mean, Ralph, some of this data is really amazing. And this is one of these segments that if you want to go back and listen again, (laughs) grab a pen and download the podcast version. We'll talk about how to do that later in the show. It's real simple. Just search for Cover It wherever you download your podcast. But uh, talk to me about this over-under trend that's 27 and 14, 66% in recent bowl seasons well we just talked about a bowl trend where both team where a team scored 35 points or more in back-to-back games so i wanted to look at what happens when a team each team scored 35 points or more in their last game it occurs in five bowl games this year again a sample size of 42 games in the last few years 27 overs 14 under 66 percent so we have florida state oklahoma Texas, Washington, UCLA, Pittsburgh, Clemson, Tennessee, and Utah, Penn State all say to play the over because each of those teams scored 35 points or more in their previous game. And a lot of these trends, they passed the smell test, Ralph. They passed the does-it-make-sense test. When you're talking about good offenses, but cashing overs, yeah, why not? Now here we're talking about a point spread system that is 31 and 16, 66%. Since 2006, what do we got for this one, Ralph? Well, when I look at when teams score many points the previous games, I look at the opposite. What happens to a team that's going bowling that scored 17 or fewer points in each of their last two games? 
surprisingly, Teddy, or maybe not surprisingly, they've gone 31-16-1 against the spread. That's 66%. I do want to talk about one more I didn't send you after this, but to me, it makes a motivational factor that you played back-to-back poor games on offense. You now have the bold practices, applies to Wisconsin, Oklahoma State, Wyoming, Ohio, and Iowa, Kentucky. Take those first teams and 66% ATS system. Wisconsin, Wyoming, and Iowa. That awful Iowa offense and the lowest total bowl game any of us ever seen. Ralph Michaels says the trends point in their direction. We're just getting started with bowl breakdowns. Stay tuned. Coverage continues after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. It's Christmas weekend, and it's the heart of bowl season right here on Cover with Teddy Cover, Sirius XM, Channel 159, the SportsGrid Radio Network. We're talking trends and angles. TNA with Ralph Michaels at CalSportsLV on Twitter. And Ralph, we got through most of them before the break, but maybe the most powerful one of them all, unfortunately, well, that's cast already this year. But that's the last opportunity. This is one you want to write down for next year. Ralph, talk to me about six and six teams, 500 teams that got a win to get to 500 and earn bowl eligibility. What do they do? when the bowl season comes around. Teddy, let's set up the scenario. A team is five and six. You're going into rivalry week. You need to win that game to go to a bowl. And you do win that game. Now, you're a six and six team. And you're playing an opponent that has over six wins. And, and it makes total sense to me because this. You have your entire bowl practices. You have your coach and your team. And you have a determination to make. This team is, and this game is so important. You are either spending the entire offseason and your entire career having a winning season or a losing season based on this bowl game. Those teams, six and six teams, off a win, have covered 69.4%. It's one of the only bowl systems that I will never play against and, for the most part, normally play on. Six and six teams off a win. 69% ATS long-term when they're playing an opponent with more than six wins. That is a bowl system worth remembering for next year. Write it down or just follow Ralph on Twitter, however you like it. So i got to ask you this, and we're going to do a bunch of game breakdowns. But I, I want to do a little bit. We've talked a bunch of trends and angles to open the show. I want to ask you this. When it comes with coaching changes, coordinator changes, transfer portal issues, and the transfer portal is, is insane <laughs> this offseason. It really is. What's a better to do when bowls roll around? And how have you been so successful at this time of the year with all the chaos that's going on, it feels like, behind the scenes in so many of these programs? Up until the last few years, Teddy, I would break down my bowls and basically be done handicapping when the first bowl started in mid-December. I've done the complete opposite. I've not gotten involved in many bowl games because there's so much reading to note. There's so many opt-outs and injury reports to note that I've changed my dynamics totally this year. I'm only looking at games a week ahead. Therefore, I'm not going to 
fall in love with a team and then try to decide whether I want to use that team because of injuries or transfer portals. And then on the flip side, you know, uh, it gives me more time to study those teams. So I've had to completely change the way I handicap bowls this year, and I'm sure everyone else has as well. With, you know, it's rare to see a bowl game now with both starting quarterbacks playing. Uh, you know, it's sort of delightful when that happens. Uh, it's a sad situation for me. I, I think bowls are fun. And, uh, again, there's some teams where I think we're going to talk about, you know, Wisconsin and Oklahoma State. There are over 25 combined players in the transfer portal injured or have opted out for that game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, more than 25. Take the over uh, 25. But is there a way – do you have a – I mean – Every answer you're going to give here is de- it depends. It depends. It depends. But have you been able to find a way? I'm going to talk about coaching change for a minute because we have coaching changes and coordinator changes. With the coaching changes, it feels like half the time the team steps up for the interim coach and half the time they just don't care. You know, not so much. How do you tell? Is there a way to tell? And not a surefire way, but what's your methodology for trying to figure out if a team's going to show up for their interim coach or if the guy who's coaching the one game is and getting tuned out uh, before they even get uh, to the practice field, let alone uh, to the stadium for uh, game day. Teddy, I don't have numbers to back this, but what I usually do is this. If I have an experienced quarterback who is returning to the team, that to me is a secondary coach who gets his team to support playing that game and support the coaching staff, whoever it is. So if there's a quarterback that opted out and we have an interim coach, I will tend to look to fade that team. But if we lost a coach or a coordinator and I have a veteran starting quarterback who already says I'm coming back to this team, that to me uh, negates some of the losses for your staff. So the veteran quarterback is something to look for in the situation. It makes a ton of sense. Now, do the coordinator changes matter every bit as much? As the coaching changes, they matter more than the coaching changes. Obviously, the coaching changes at the top level get the headlines. But are savvy betters, should we be looking at coordinator changes at this time of year more? You know, I have looked at situations where there's been coaching and coordinating changes. And I've played some first half games because any coach that has been on an FBS program is probably a quality coach who can come up with a game plan for the first half. I think where you, where you, where the losses affect you are those coaches that make the awesome second half changes. So the half times now get affected by me. So when there are some coaching changes, i tend to look first half. If I have the more experienced coaches that I know are established, I look to play them full game. Huh, it's an interesting uh, way of looking at it, Ralph. And it's certainly, given your track record this time of year, I'm not going to argue against you. Your track record, better than mine in bowl season. Let me ask you this, though. I, I mean, if uh, I feel like there's so many of these, it depends. It's a case-by-case basis. But are there any basic rules or any basic guidelines that better should abide by at this time of the year? There really isn't, Teddy. I mean, it's all fluid. You know, we talked about, you know, last year, we could probably name, what, 20 players that opted out of bowl games? There might have been a few more. You know, the Ohio State wide receivers, the LSU guys. You know, you looked at some guys, like, in those situations. But this is, this is fluid for you. This is fluid for me. 
you know, when, when you have, a, you know, a, a Buffalo team that has six players in the transfer portal, that's never happened. You never had to handicap Mac games and those games pre-Christmas and worry about opt-outs before that's completely changed the dynamic. So in this situation, I am going to say, you're right. We don't know. We're learning. And it may take a few years for us to even get an established pattern of what's going to occur because the one-year anomaly isn't going to be data enough for us to base any bets on for next bowl season as well. Yeah, it's kind of, I mean, bowl season is labor-intensive right now. You know, it reminds me much more of the NFL preseason than anything else, where all you're trying to do is find information and bet good information. And if you dig, you can usually find it, but you got to dig. <laughs> and that means, uh, you know, it's not let's break down stats. <laughs> you know, what the database going to spit out. Um, that's, you know, digging through your local papers and finding the quotes and finding this team leaders and what they're saying about the bowl matchup and what they're saying about the opt-outs, which, again, it's all nuance. And nuance doesn't translate very well to database research, which is why when you do the digging, you can find some legitimate results, uh, some legitimately positive expectation results. Agree, Ralph? Absolutely. And, you know, uh, there's, you know, there's some great sites now that are out there and, it, you know, they even change daily. So it's, it is, as you said, a lot of local newspapers, a lot of the fan sites, a lot of the Twitter feeds. Um, but even then, you know, there were a couple games this past week, Teddy, where we thought a player was going to play and they opt, they opt out on the last day. So, even if we even if we study and do our due diligence, you still may not have the correct answer. Sure. There's a, there's an element of chance in this stuff, <laughs> for sure. You know that if you were betting the NFL last weekend, we'll talk about that uh, on tomorrow's Sunday edition of Cover It. Hooey, there were some beats last week. Hopefully, there won't be too many bad beats when it comes to bowl season. Ralph, we got a couple minutes for the break. Let's start looking at some of these games, and again. We're going to talk next week's games. Obviously, Christmas weekend. Uh, I'm not going to break down, uh, you know, <laughs> uh, the only game today uh, with the San Diego State and Middle Tennessee State. We'll start with Monday. Let's start with the Quick Lane Bowl in Detroit, Michigan. No one's excited to spend Christmas in Detroit. I don't think New Mexico State and Bowling Green. BG, let's call it three and a half, 48 and a half. Well, you know, these are two teams that never thought they were going to go to a bowl. If you looked at their, their season win totals, Bowling Green has no reported opt-outs or injuries. Uh, San Diego, uh, the quarterback, Pavia, was injured against Valpo on December 3rd. He should be ready to go. Uh, just a short ride from BG up to Detroit. I'm not sure how many fans they're going to have. But to me, I like the over in this game. Uh, Bowling Green's going to throw the ball. New Mexico State's offense was impressive the last couple games be it against very weak foes. Uh, and this BG team, I will say this, they're one of the leaders this year in sacks. They did an incredible job on the defensive side. I'm still going to go over the 48-and-a-half, a cheap number. Yeah, New Mexico State, not a team with a whole lot of bowl history, recent or otherwise. And you find the teams that play in the relatively early bowl games without the experience of getting ready for those bowl games, and oftentimes... There are issues. Uh, Ralph, we've got about 45 seconds before the break, so I'm not going to go into the next game any more than talking about Georgia Southern and Buffalo. And Buffalo is one of those teams 
you were just talking about, where you don't normally worry about opt-outs at this time of the year, for the Mac schools, and Mac schools in general, have not been particularly good bowl bets when it comes to conference by conference. You do want to be aware of some of these conferences' bowl history. So when we come back after the break, Ralph Michael's going to break down Georgia Southern Buffalo, Utah State, Memphis. we got Okie State, Wisconsin, UCF Duke, Kansas, Arkansas, North Carolina, Oregon, and so much more. And we're going to see what Ralph says when it comes to conference by conference. And we want to be betting on or betting against over the next week or two. Coverage continues after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We're on your TV. We're on your radio. We're on your phone. Go to Twitter and give us a follow. At SportsGrid, at SportsGrid TV, at SportsGrid Radio, and stay on the grid everywhere you go. You can follow me on Twitter at Teddy underscore covers. And of course, you can follow today's guest, Ralph Michaels, on Twitter at CalSportsLV. Again, at CalSportsLV on Twitter. Ralph, we're breaking down bowl games. But before we get into the next group of games, we're going to talk about conferences against the spread. That is definitely something that betters should be aware of. What conferences have done well in recent bowl seasons? What conferences have been getting clocked in recent bowl seasons? And how does A and B relate to totals? What do you got for us? Well, we talked about the Mac, so let's talk about Buffalo. I mean, experts, the one thing experts can agree on is the Mac is the worst football conference there is in the FBS. Yet, the Mac has gone 6-4, and four, ATS is the favorite, and they've gone 8-6-2, and two, ATS is a dog. So Mac Bowl teams actually uh, 14, 10, and 2 ATS. Two surprises for me. SEC favorites the last three years have gone 8, 16, and 1, 33% against the spread. SEC dogs have gone 6 and 5 ATS. So how many times have we said, oh, my God, it's the SEC against this conference. We have to favor that team. They're getting overpriced to the degree of 33% against the spread. And one, we'll see if it's an anomaly or not. You know, I don't have a real answer of why, but look at the Big 12. When the Big 12 bowl team is a favorite, the over-under has gone 7-2 and two to the over. When the Big 12 team is a dog, one over and 13 unders. An anomaly, Teddy, or something to it? Uh, to me, it's one of those things you want to know. <laughs> you know, when the Big 12 teams, the dog, they're 1-13 to the under. That's one that, again, I don't know why. I'm going to have to think about that because you just presented it to me. So it may not have predictive influence moving forward. That said, I want to be aware of it. I don't want to step, you know, into a 13-1 angle and start betting these games over the total unless there's a darn good reason. So when the Big 12 team is a dog, again, 13-1 and one to the under in recent bowl seasons. Let's talk Georgia Southern and Buffalo. Georgia Southern, what? Let's call it minus 3.5, minus 4. Total of 67 in Montgomery, Alabama. You know, this is just a very slight lean to me. I, I do lean the Buffalo Bulls on this. 
when I look at how the teams did versus winning FBS teams, Georgia Southern played a slightly better schedule. Buffalo had better stats year to date. But when I look at winning FBS teams, Georgia Southern only played four of them. They got outgained by 100 yards per game. Buffalo played five winning FBS teams, getting outgained by 86 yards per game. Slight lean to the Bulls for me. Slight lean towards Buffalo. What about Utah State and Memphis? They'll be playing in Dallas, Texas in the first responder bowl. Memphis laying a little bit more than a touchdown in that one. Total uh, sitting, let's call it 60 and a half. Well, for Utah State, we're looking at uh, QB3 likely playing. You know, Legas with Bonner getting injured early, Levi Williams getting hurt. We're looking at a number three quarterback. So can I see value getting to Utah State? I can't. Do I trust Memphis laying the seven and a half? I don't. So if I had to give an opinion on the game, I would lean with the under in this one. Well, that's the beauty of bowl season. And that's the beauty of what we do, Ralph, is that we don't have to have an opinion about every game. Look. The bookmakers have to put up a line for every single contest. And the, I talk about this all the time. The single biggest edge the better has over the bookmaker is that we get to pick and choose which game we want to bet. There aren't many of us that can bet every game at 11 to 10 and walk away profitable. But when you can pick and choose, you don't have to play the Utah State-Memphis. You don't see a strong reason to do so. Eastern Carolina, East Carolina, I should say, versus Coastal uh, Carolina, the Pirates against the Chanticleers. What, uh, Eastern Carolina, minus 7.5 total, 62, 62.5, 63 out there. Well, and here we have Coastal Carolina uh, head coach Chadwell gone, having gone to Liberty. We saw this line go from 6 or 6.5 to 13, now back to where it is. Why? Well, we have a quarterback in Grayson McCall, the Sun Belt's top player said he was going to transfer, decide he's, he comes back. So now it's settled at seven or seven and a half. With these two quarterbacks, uh, I think there's value with the 62. You know, you have to look at weather with Birmingham, especially with this cold front coming in. But uh, lean coastal, I think we're getting value with the spread and lean over the 62. Mike Gundy has been a coach who's done well for me in bowl season. I'm going to talk about him. A little bit later when it comes to my chance to give out a bettable opinion in bowl action. But all the money's come against Oklahoma State. They're not going to have Spencer Sanders going this week. Wisconsin, minus three, minus three and a half, total of 43 against Oklahoma State. I am a big proponent of looking how coaches do in the bowl games. And he has cashed six straight against the spread. So not only has he done well for you, he's done well for anyone that has backed him. Uh, you know, this is a bowl game, sort of like the Louisville-Cincinnati game last week. What the heck's going to happen? The coaches are gone. The quarterbacks are gone. Well, we do have the quarterback here, but we don't have Spencer Sanders. We don't have Dominic Richardson, the number one quarterback, the number one receiver on the other side. Mertz is out. Hill is out. And the most important piece, Braylon Allen is injured and may not go here. If Allen plays, I like Wisconsin. If Allen doesn't play, I would back Oklahoma State with Gundy and that incredible ATS record. Let me ask you this, because Mertz, in my mind, is as strong a bet against quarterback as you can find. 
All right, the guy's a stiff, and he's been a stiff, and people still think he's going to be good, and he's just, you know, I know he's a college kid. Someone's going to draft him, and he'll be a stiff in the NFL too. But when you find the QB that you don't like is sitting, is that a benefit for Wisconsin maybe? Because you don't see a whole lot of teams whose quarterback's sitting taking money the way the Badgers have been sitting. The market's looking at Wisconsin without Mertz as being better than they might be with him? Well, the key is this to me. It's how many reps have the other guys gotten? And they're down between Chase Wolf and Miles Burkett, and they've split snaps. Those quarterbacks have combined for seven throws on the season. So, yes, I understand that with a 19-10 ratio, only completing 57.1%, a quarterback that gets caught in the pocket, and, you know, Wisconsin was sacked 25 times or 8.3% of the time. Um, If you have a young quarterback that hasn't taken snaps, and then you are missing one of the best running backs in the country, I I don't want to back that young quarterback in that role. Let's shift our focus to the games for Wednesday, December 28th. It starts early, Central Florida and Duke. And this is a line that surprised me. A lot of respect for Duke. And Duke has certainly been a really good point spread team this year. But I didn't think, let's put it this way, my powering number didn't come up with Duke. Minus three slash minus three and a half. Total 62 and a half against UCF. My powering number says UCF's the better of these two teams. But from a motivational standpoint, maybe not so much. (laughs) Well, Duke had a win total of what, three or three and a half? Maybe got that up to four and a half. And they find themselves in the situation. Uh, They're a team under Cutcliffe that had covered four straight bowls with Cutcliffe. Elko did an incredible job his first year. The question here is uh, John Plumley. He's banged up. You're either going to have him sit or be not nearly as mobile as he was. Duke has zero starters injured or on the reserve. You have motivation. I don't see UCF's motivation. You thought you were going to win the AAC and be in a much bigger bowl. Now you're playing Duke. Duke, on the flip side, wasn't expecting to be here. And, you you know, you're in a situation where – you're laying a short price against maybe a number three quarterback. I like Duke here. And in fact, Teddy, I'll just preface it by saying this is my best bet for the show. And pretty much every sharp dollar that has been bet on that game has come on the Blue Devils. UCF opened as the favorite in many books. Kansas and Arkansas. Uh, I'm seeing the Razorbacks minus three, total of 69. Kansas, one of those teams that closed out the season negatively, that you talked about that being a bet against during bowl time. Is that the case for this matchup? It is, but when you have a coach like Lance Leopold who took his team from what they were, a win total of one and a half that may have gotten bet up to two and a half, start off with a 5-0 and start. Yes, they only won one of their last six down the stretch, but you have two 6-6 six and six teams here. And when I looked it up, if you have two 6-6 six and six teams, the dog has gone 12-3 and three against the spread. So it's been a powerful six and six trend angle. Uh, I, I lean Kansas here and I lean the over. Uh, this to me is just a motivation bowl. Kansas is excited to be here. Arkansas, the, the reason I can't bet Kansas in this game is the proximity to Tennessee. They recruit in Tennessee a lot. They're going to have a significant edge, even though it is the Liberty Bowl on Wednesday, December 28th, and not quite what they are expecting. But that's enough to keep me off betting Arkansas, excuse me, betting Kansas. But clear leans in this bowl for me on Kansas in the over. 
And just let's do a real quick hitter on the last two games for Wednesday. North Carolina and Oregon. The Ducks, two touchdown favorites. Their total of 73. Well, we talked about what the over-under is when we have a double-digit favorite. This completely applies to me. Over, over the 73 for me. Drake May announced he's playing. And as importantly, he's coming back next year. I think that's the type of situation where the team really rallies. Bo Nix, same situation. He will play in the bowl, and he is returning next week. Give me the over in the Holiday Bowl. And closing out Wednesday night in the Texas Bowl, Ole Miss minus three and a half and 70 against Texas Tech. I, this is one where I price it. I look at an SEC team like Ole Miss, and, and I look at Ole Miss's transfer portal. You know, we know what Ole Miss wants to do. We know Ole Miss is going to hit the transfer portal hard. And I think a lot of the players that aren't playing here is just Lane Kiffin cutting off some of the fat, keeping his roster empty. That means you're going to play kids that want to play, that he wants them to play. Color me SEC in the Texas Bowl. Look at the Rebels over the Red Raiders. Ralph Michaels, great stuff. You said that you like Duke as your official selection for today's show. Give me a sentence or two why you like the Blue Devils and tell us where folks can find you throughout the course of bowl season, given your strong track record. Well, I appreciate it, Teddy. I did do a Wager Talk Bowl Guide, which is still available for free on my homepage. There's a shortcut. You could go wt.buzz backslash rm. I break down year-to-date stats and the diffs. We talk about offense and defense, but to me, yards for play diff, yards for game diff, and away neutral stats and FBS winning teams. Motivation for me. You have a team that wasn't expecting to be there against a team that's disappointed with their season. No opt-outs. The Duke Blue Devils, my best bet. Duke minus the points for Ralph Michaels in the Military Bowl on Wednesday. Thank you so much, Ralph. Really appreciate your time and effort. And again, best of luck over Christmas weekend and beyond when it comes to bowls. Coverage continues after this. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And we're here in the home stretch of Cover It with Teddy Covers. Listen, if you missed any portion of today's program, Ralph was spewing nuggets of gold with his trends, with his angles, with his bowl breakdowns. You missed any part of it on today's show. If you want to go back and listen to anything from the archives, we broke down bowls last week and the week before that. Uh, If you want to look ahead to tomorrow's NFL show for Christmas. (laughs) Right here on Sports Radio, real simple. Download the podcast version. Wherever you download your podcast, all major podcast outlets, all minor podcast outlets, wherever you download podcasts, just search Cover It. Boom. Download, consume at your convenience. You get today's show, tomorrow's show, last week's show, last month's show, last year's show, every show I've ever done. Worth doing if you rather consume podcast style. And if you missed any portion of today's show, this is one that is absolutely worth downloading. Ralph Michaels talked a few minutes ago about 
the track record. And coaching track record to me, when it comes to bowl season, it matters a lot. Mike Gundy, 6-0 against the spread his last six bowls. 8-2 against the spread the last 10. And the only time they didn't cover was when they were really outclassed. I don't think they're outclassed against Wisconsin. Yeah, sure. Spencer Sanders is out. Okay. It's not like Wisconsin's quarterback situation is in great shape. It's not like the Badgers are coming into the bowl season clicking on all cylinders. It was a down year for Wisconsin. There's coaching issues. There's quarterback issues. There's injury issues. This isn't a team I want to lay three and a half points with. Sorry. <laughs> Especially not against a head coach who has made it his business. The mullet man has made it his business to cover these numbers. And not all, not all of them are wins. When they lose, they don't lose by margin. Most they've lost by, in the, uh, what, six, six years been a field goal in bowl season. I don't think they lose by more than a field goal here. I'll take Oklahoma State plus the points. And again, that is Tuesday night in Phoenix in the guaranteed rate bowl. That's going to wrap it for Cover It with Teddy Covers. Saturday edition, be back tomorrow, Sunday, breaking down the NFL. Best of luck. Enjoy the game.